This is Dr. Rob Harder with the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, making your world better. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? What are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest obstacles? How should nonprofits fundraise in an economy that is constantly changing? All of these reasons combined led me to start this show. And it's my hope that through this series, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear from effective leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy the show as together we hear how they are making their world better. As a leader of a nonprofit, you know firsthand how important it is to have the right technology tools and strategies in place to achieve your mission. Well, that's where Heller Consulting comes in. Heller Consulting is a premier consulting firm that specializes in helping nonprofit organizations achieve their goals through effective technology strategy and implementation. Whether you need help with technology roadmaps, CRM strategy, Salesforce, or Microsoft implementations, Team Heller has you covered. With Heller Consulting on your side, you can trust that you'll have the support you need to make the most of your organization's technology resources. Just visit teamheller.com NLP to learn more. Again, visit teamheller.com NLP for Nonprofit Leadership Podcast to learn more. I would guess that all of you have heard about community foundations, and many of you regularly interact with your local community foundation. But what really is the purpose of a community foundation? How does a community foundation come alongside and support nonprofits? Does a community foundation ever compete with local nonprofits? Well, all these questions and more are answered by my guest today, Joel Zaro. He is the president and CEO of the Park City Community Foundation. Now, many of you may remember that I'd had the leaders of the Orange County Community Foundation previously on a podcast, and I received a lot of positive feedback for that one. I think you will equally enjoy this conversation I have with Joel. He's a thoughtful and intentional leader who is really seeking to use his role at the Community Foundation to benefit and enhance the nonprofit sector. Enjoy today's show. Well, Joel, I'm so glad to have you on the show today, and I look forward to talking all about community foundations. You know, community foundations are great resources to and supporters of nonprofits across the country. But I do think for many of us nonprofit leaders, we may not fully understand the purpose nor the benefit of community foundations. So I wanted to start with just a quick overview from you of what exactly the mission and scope of a typical community foundation is, and how are they different from your typical 501c3? Hey, Rob, it's really good to be here. You've got a great podcast, and I'm psyched to be on it. Uh, first, I just, I just want to be straight with everyone. I want to be straight with you. I'm not a community foundation expert. I've spent just about my whole career in leading nonprofits, so I do have uh, nonprofit expertise, but I'm only six months into leading uh, the Park City Community Foundation. That said, I have interacted with a lot of different community foundations, and I've been doing a quite a lot of research, reaching out to my community foundation colleagues to learn. I think there are quite a lot of different forms community foundations take. Some are more donor-centric, where most of their operations are geared towards helping donors find effective mechanisms to make charitable donations. And these community foundations, they may know their community's nonprofit landscape and help make recommendations, but if you dig in deeply, their operations really are focused on being donor-centric and helping donors realize their aspirations and deal with complex, often gifts. Other community foundations are more focused on supporting the nonprofit sector quite broadly. 
In addition to securing and distributing funding to nonprofits, this could mean they provide back office support, like HR functions or finance functions, or provide aggregated health care to the nonprofit sector or nonprofit education. So the driving purpose of these foundations is to develop and support a thriving nonprofit sector. I would say that the Park City Community Foundation is actually a, a third kind of animal. We do have donor advised funds, like in the first model. We do provide nonprofit support, like in the second model. But we're also focused on making deep and systemic change in our community through our initiative funds. So our mission is to address Park City's most pressing challenges and to do so with an equity lens. So we have several initiatives where our grant making goes deeper on specific issues like early child care and affordable housing. One other thing I want to say is a difference between the Community Foundation, at least the Park City Community Foundation, and another nonprofit like the Christian Center is our theory of action. We make grants to support nonprofits who are doing the work to get the impact we seek. We're not a direct service organization. You know, we don't run a food pantry. Uh, we don't run child care centers. We care about that stuff. So we fund nonprofits who are making that work happen. I love that. Thank you for explaining that for both Park City Community Foundation and kind of more broadly. So let's dive into that. Um, many social impact stakeholders do look to community foundations to manage part of their financial portfolio, it seems. So as you mentioned, that is a component of what you do. From your knowledge and your experience, is that a pretty typical thing? And if so, how much of that takes your time and the community foundation's time to manage that? Or is that a fairly rare, small portion of what you do? Yeah, I think it's pretty typical, but I think the landscape is changing a lot. There are big institutions that are now in that game, the donor advised fund game, like Vanguard. And they're offering donor advised funds more as a financial service to high net worth individuals. And I don't think they're well positioned to understand their community. And they're making decisions based solely on donor knowledge and donor preference. It's really a financial service. So the value of the community foundation that we provide is really deeply understanding the nonprofit sector in our community and working with donors more closely to help them realize their philanthropic aspiration and the donor intent. So we do spend a fair amount of time working with donors. They can give directly to the community foundation. Oftentimes we're working with donors to give directly to the nonprofits that they're interested in, but they often also create donor advised funds. We have about a hundred of them at the Park City Community Foundation, and they draw from that fund to donate to the nonprofit sector. Well, it's really interesting. So it sounds like what you're saying in short is uh, obviously Fidelity, Charles Schwab, a lot of these financial institutions provide a similar service when it comes to managing your portfolio. But what you provide that's unique is you know the community. And if you know what the donor's desires are to put their money towards a really good cause, you can help them navigate through the different options of where they could place their money. Is that what you would say? That's exactly right. Another function that we provide is oftentimes high net worth individuals have very complex financial interactions or transactions. So they might set up a, an LLC. And as part of that LLC, when they go to make a sale, will be a philanthropic contribution. And most nonprofits aren't set up to handle that kind of more complex transaction. That makes sense. That's good. Well, then you mentioned another thing that I think is often confusing 
for certain nonprofit leaders when it comes to community foundations. You mentioned the idea on the one hand, providing financial support to support nonprofits doing things like food pantry support. And on the other hand, being direct service providers. It's my understanding that most community foundations, as you mentioned, focus much of their mission on providing other nonprofits financial support and advocacy for that matter. But there are some times where community foundations may have a little bit of service provider, direct service provider, you know, outlet, if you will. Is that mission drift in your mind? If you were to to kind of step back and look at all community foundations, do you think that's a wise thing for community foundations to get involved with? Or is that part of the overall mission of what a community foundation really should function as? Listen, Rob, I can't really comment on what other community foundations are doing in terms of direct service. I'd really want to know what that direct service is what the impact is, what the return on their investment is, just like any other nonprofit. That, you know, that would be my lens. At Perk City Community Foundation, we provide direct service to nonprofits. We don't provide direct service to the constituencies that nonprofits serve. So we do bring people together. We have an executive director round table leadership forum that we run. Uh, we do it with board members. We do it with staff. I would be hesitant to jump in the game of providing direct service directly to the constituencies we aim to serve. I think there's a dangerous power dynamic at play where working to link affluent, high net worth individuals with pressing community issues, oftentimes the power rests with those who have the money. And yet the solutions rest with those who are experiencing the challenges that the community is facing and those working most closely with those individuals. So I think philanthropy has a history of a power dynamic that isn't very helpful in solving community issues, but instead often serves to perpetuate those problems. We'll be right back. As a leader of a nonprofit, you know firsthand how important it is to have the right technology tools and strategies in place to achieve your mission. Well, that's where Heller Consulting comes in. Heller Consulting is a premier consulting firm that specializes in helping nonprofit organizations achieve their goals through effective technology strategy and implementation. Whether you need help with technology roadmaps, CRM strategy, Salesforce, or Microsoft implementations, Team Heller has you covered. With Heller Consulting on your side, you can trust that you'll have the support you need to make the most of your organization's technology resources. Just visit teamheller.com slash NLP to learn more. Again, visit teamheller.com slash NLP for Nonprofit Leadership Podcast to learn more. Well, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If this is your first time listening to us, I wanted to make sure you're aware of a whole group of other episodes with fascinating guests that I previously interviewed. Just go to our website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. There you will find numerous interviews of nonprofit leaders from all over the country, including some from other countries, all trying to make their world better. When you go to our website, you can also subscribe to my monthly leadership update in order to get more content, ask me questions, and join the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast community. Just look for the subscribe button, which is on the top right-hand side. It's a real easy process. Well, thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. I like how you said that. I think that's a really good answer, and, and that makes sense to me. Well, it's interesting, too. I had a recent conversation with the Orange County Community Foundation, which is one of the largest in the country, as I learned. 
Um, and they have quite a bit of success with collaborating with a lot of community partners. In other words, not just nonprofits, right, in a community in order to see community change happen. Uh, give me an example, whether it be, I know you're new to the Park City Community Foundation, but from your past experience or already being here at PCCF, can you share an example of when your community foundation has effectively collaborated with a nonprofit or a government or for-profit business where you collectively helped bring about change in the community because you brought a whole host of people together to rally around a community need? Yeah. It's a great question. And I think we do this all the time. And it's one of the things about Park City Community Foundation that really drew me to, to this job and to this role. It's an essential part of who we are and what we do, how we make grants. So we have different grants committees for our different initiatives. So for example, we have a mental wellness alliance. And as part of grant making, it's not me or a program officer sitting in an office using our expertise to allocate funding. Instead, we bring people from the community who are doing the work. We bring uh, community stakeholders, we bring funders to the table and we form a grant making committee to make funding decisions given the diverse expertise that they have. It's called participatory grant making and it's across all of our initiatives. There are another Another couple of examples. I mean, we just had one. We, we call it Live PC, Give PC. Yeah, explain that for uh, those for my listeners. Oh, it's incredible. It is an amazing annual day of giving. Uh, you can think of it as Giving Tuesday, but it doesn't happen on Giving Tuesday. You've got your own Giving Tuesday. Yeah, what the Community Foundation does is we provide the back office support and the fundraising platform and a lot of the communications and marketing. And we designate a day and work with this year it was 127 nonprofits to get the word out and encourage community giving. And this year we collectively raised, uh, it was $5.3 million. So that's just a $5.3 million. And Park City is not that big of a high population area, right? I mean, that's remarkable knowing really how small the population area is here. That's amazing. No, it's extraordinary. And that's one of the beauties of Park City. I mean, we do have a very affluent community. They're really generous. They want to contribute, give back to the community. We also have an enormously vibrant nonprofit sector. Agreed. We also have an economy that is incredibly stratified, where we have service workers. We have a 20% Latinx population. And we want to create a community that where everybody has access to everything Park City has. And so part of the, the mission of the Community Foundation is to make that happen. Well done. That's a great example. And it is remarkable. I mean, I've personally been involved now several years, and I can say to my listeners that it really is a remarkable event to have that much money raised. And as a nonprofit leader, what I think has really been a benefit of the Community Foundation, specifically the Park City Community Foundation, you mentioned earlier, you're doing all the marketing, you're getting the word out. You're linking and maybe broadening the net, if you will, to a, a broader audience than maybe a nonprofit in its own development, you know, contact list would have. And so you've got $5.3 million collectively. Now, each nonprofit didn't make that. Of course, they made individual amounts smaller than that. But collectively, there is no doubt this idea that I think each nonprofit raises more because of being part of this overall event. So I think it's a great example and encourage people to check that out because I think it's one of the, the best ones in the country, actually. Now, let's talk about community foundations. When it comes to maximizing operations, efficiency, and impact of nonprofits across the country, 
Do you feel like the community foundations should be in a role or have been in a role where they can provide maybe some advice, guidance, mentorship even for, I'm thinking particularly nonprofits that are starting up or uh, have created some real inefficiencies with their organization. Do you feel like that's one of the roles of the community foundation is provide that kind of extra layer of support and or mentorship? Absolutely. I think it's a really vital role that we can provide. I mean, one of the advantages of being a community foundation is we operate somewhat at a 20,000 foot level. So we get the advantage of looking across the sector and really studying them as organizations. What makes certain organizations strong and impactful? What are concerns that we need to address? Not we, the community foundation, but where do we see weaknesses in the sector and what are those? So I do think that we are in a position and do have some expertise to contribute to fledgling nonprofits. That said, it's a great and tricky question. And there's really an important balance to strike here. In a way, the danger is that it's a one directional question. You know, how can community foundations improve the nonprofit sector? And that's really important. However, there, as I mentioned earlier, there are really insidious power dynamics at play in philanthropy where affluence and money can reinforce a power dynamic that's at the root of a lot, a lot of our inequities in society. So it needs to be a bi-directional question. What can we contribute to the nonprofit sector and the communities they serve? And what can we learn from the communities we serve collectively and the nonprofit sector? Well said. So it's really important to, in some ways, invert the historical way of viewing philanthropy and amplifying power for those who are really marginalized and facing the inequities that have emerged in our society. I think well said. I would agree with you. And in fact, maybe this would be a good question then to ask from a community foundation's point of view, because you've also been part of nonprofits, led nonprofits, but from a community foundation's perspective, what do you wish nonprofits knew more about the community foundation in terms of your purpose and mission? What a great question. I don't know that they need to know more about Park City Community Foundation. But I do think inside of your question, there is a really important point about partnership and communication. How do we get to know each other's strengths and challenges? How do we define our roles? How do we strike the right balance of power? You know, yes. it's a really important question. The work, I mean, all of the issues that we're facing are incredibly complex and no single nonprofit is going to be able to address it solely. Agreed. So how do we not work in our silos? But I've also seen with different alliances and collective impact, how do we also not, based on a really good concept, just have meeting after meeting that doesn't move the ball forward because we retreat back into what we do well? Yeah. Okay, maybe I'll rephrase it a little bit differently. If you could wave your magic wand, what does the ideal relationship look like when it, between a community foundation and a community's collection of nonprofits? It's all about communication. Um, uh, I think right now at Park City Community Foundation, we're tinkering towards utopia. You know, we have that vision and I would accelerate that work. I think we are really onto something around our different alliances and collective impact that we're after. So the Mental Wellness Alliance, the Early Childhood Alliance, the Climate Fund, bringing people, sta bringing stakeholders together with resources to make important decisions is a really good model. 
I just think that the nonprofit sector is so strained and constrained from a resource perspective that there's no organizational slack to open up and really get the kind of broad collaboration that we're after. To a large, to a too large degree, the government sector and the, the private sector has placed the most challenging issues at the doorstep of the nonprofits who are the least well-funded to get the work done. And we just know, my background is in organizational learning and organizational theory, and you can apply it to an individual. You know, if you're stressed, if you've got so much to do, if you're overwhelmed, there's less room for innovation and collaboration. There's less room for failure. And without the resources uh, necessary to innovate, we're going to perpetuate what we've always done. And that's a really significant challenge. Well said. And, and so maybe what is the anecdote today for that? How do you, from a community foundation's perspective, help with that? I think you're right. I think for a lot of nonprofit leaders, they are a bit overwhelmed, right? And now we've just come out of COVID. A lot of them had some fundraising challenges. A lot of people have struggled to keep their nonprofit's doors open, right? How do you come alongside the busy nonprofit leader, which a lot of my listeners are executive directors or CEOs of their nonprofit organization and help them kind of step away just enough to not react to just all the different fires, so to speak, burning in their nonprofit in order to really step back and say, hey, let's proactively do more with collaboration, innovation, creative thinking. How do we get out of that? Just repeat what we did last year mentality. I think a lot of it has, first of all, I, I'm, one of my roles is to get more resources into the nonprofit sector. And the more that we can do that, the better. People need organizational slack. They need the room to be able to do exactly what you said. Another way we can help is we're funding. If you're going to make a funding decision, you're making a funding decision because you believe in the organization you're making a grant to. And if you believe in the work they do, be less directive about how they need to use those resources. Trust the leadership, trust the staff, make a general operating grant. Don't restrict the funding because then you are hemming in those who you are, you, you need to trust to make the right decisions to serve the communities they're serving. Let me interrupt you for a second because that is so powerful, Joel. And I'm really glad you said that because I have noticed a shift I'd say particularly during COVID is when I saw it really shift the most, where we had a much more openness, if you will, from not just community foundations, but from donors in general to give general operating gifts. In other words, no restrictions put on these gifts to trust the nonprofit leaders to figure out where can they put that money and allows the nonprofits, right, to be as nimble as possible, as flexible as possible as the needs come through. So I love that, that there's a shift happening and people are trusting nonprofits, as you said, more and more. And I think if community foundations are setting the example for that, all the better because you're then obviously advising donors where to give their money and how to give their money. Why do you think it's been such a challenge, though, to convince donors to give an unrestricted gift? Any thoughts on why that was such an entrenched idea that you had to restrict your gift? Sure. I think donors, including myself, when I make a donation, I'm making it for a reason. I want to, I want to see an impact. So I want to say, I want my dollar to go towards making sure kids have books in their hands. So I'm going to put my dollar in your book supply fund because I care about that. And we all have passions and cares and want to make change. And so when I have 
a donor come to the Community Foundation who's really passionate about climate, I'm going to talk with them about why do they care about climate? What do they think makes a difference? And if I get a sense that they are less likely to make a contribution, if we aren't going to, through conversation, have it be allocated to what they care about in a way that they think makes sense, quite honestly, I want to get that dollar into the nonprofit sector. And it's a fine line for me to walk as the CEO of a community foundation. And it's a relationship that we need to cultivate over time and have them educate me and have me educate them about how to make that difference. It is really important to trust the people you're making an investment in. I also think it's important to have accountability. I think it's a useful thing to have in the space. So how do you strike the balance between trust and accountability? You know, it's unusual for me to quote Ronald Reagan, but <laughs> you know, the, the whole trust but verify thing, I think makes sense. I think it's right. healthy. Yes. You know, I've been in the position of a nonprofit leader involved in early literacy. And I think oftentimes nonprofits are are seeking to solve the systemic entrenched problems in our community. Nobody has solved these problems. These are incredibly complex problems that our nonprofits seek to address. So there's no silver bullet. And failure to not stem the systemic in, uh, inequity that, these, that we're all facing, that the arc of success is going to take some time. So given that, how do we have a conversation with nonprofits that isn't existential, that isn't so high stakes, that when they say, you know what, we did this and this, and we weren't able to do that and that, it doesn't risk their funding. Oftentimes, I've been in the position where I'm reporting to a funder and I know what the game is. I want to present my organization's impact in a way that I think is going to secure funding again. Right. And that's motivating how I'm communicating in the relationship I'm building. You're right. Why in the world wouldn't I do that? Mm -hmm. And on the funder end, the question of please give me the results that were agreed to at the term of your time of your application. Here are the measurable results I, I expect. I get that too. But so often it turns into this kind of theater of reporting that it doesn't okay. advance anybody's work. And that's why developing the relationship between funder and nonprofit is so essential. So we can get beyond that. Uh, it takes time. It's difficult to do. I think the Community Foundation uh, is best positioned to foster that kind of relationship. But putting two onerous reporting tasks on nonprofits takes them away from the work that they need to be doing and often doesn't give the foundation the information they need to make funding decisions. So how do we make it easy to report? How do we create a relationship where the reporting is authentic and everyone is engaged in learning about how to do even better next time? Well, I'm really glad you mentioned that and added that to this conversation because I think you really nailed it. I think that, again, it goes back to relationship, right? And on the one hand, you want accountability for sure. Donors want measurable results. But I've also seen it uh, on the nonprofit side where, yeah, there are some times where the reporting is so onerous where just so much work 
it really deflates and demotivates the nonprofit to want to report back because there's just so much to do. It, it's a very stressful you know, experience. It's not about not wanting to be accountable and show the measurable results. It feels like it's almost busy work or extra work they don't have time to do, as you mentioned, Joel. So love that clarification or, or just that nuance that we need to keep that in mind. So as you look towards 2023, what are you most excited about? Not just in your role, but just in general with the nonprofit sector. Oh, I'm super excited about 2023 in Park City and beyond with COVID, with all of the challenges facing our communities. The nonprofit sector is just such an important sector to make the difference that we need to make across our country. In Park City, one thing I'm particularly interested about, and I've been in, well, like I said, for six months, is we have 8,000 permanent residents. Only 12% of our workforce live in Park City because of how expensive it is. We have an incredibly affluent community, but we also have, like I said earlier, a community of teachers, firefighters, police officers, restaurant workers, all sorts of blue collar folks who also should have access to everything Park City brings. But the scale of the problem here is completely addressable. And that gives me hope makes me optimistic. We have the resources. And if we don't address the issues, we're going to be a hollowed out resort town versus kind of a community with soul that invites and encourages everyone to live here. And other mountain towns and other communities face this same kind of existential issue. And I think Park City can be a leader in showing what can happen with a community when we all come together. Boy, thank you for saying that. And I couldn't agree more. I mean, I live here in Park City, so I know exactly what you're talking about. But I think in general, it could be a great example to other communities. You're absolutely right. Well, for people that are listening to this and want to get to know you a little bit and maybe find out a little bit more about the Park City Community Foundation, how can they do that? Well, they could go to our website, parkcitycommunityfoundation.org, or feel free to email me. I'd love to hear from anybody out there. I'm at joel at parkcitycf.org. Well, Joel, thank you again for being on the show. Thanks for sharing your insights and thanks for all you do to build up the nonprofit sector. And right back at you, Rob. Thanks so much. Hey, friends. Well, I wanted you to know that this podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to other podcasts. I also want to encourage you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This will actually help us get this great content out to more nonprofit leaders just like you. You can also join the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast community. Find other resources and interviews of past guests all on my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Well, thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep making your world better.